Welcome to Grow With Soul, a simple marketing podcast by me, Kate Ferris, a creative business and marketing coach living in the mountains in North Wales. Grow With Soul is for creatives who either have their own business or who dream of having their own business and who want to grow slowly, sustainably and soulfully in their work and in their life. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Hello and welcome to episode 77 of Grow With Soul. Today I'm talking with Nisha Woolery, an educator who started her online design business aged 18 and has evolved and developed over the last eight years in business. This year, Nisha cancelled a huge launch the night before the cart was going to open because she realised that the whole thing was out of alignment and disconnected and instead spent weeks reconnecting with her why and redefining what she really wanted. In this episode, we chat about this journey from how to know if you're out of alignment, reconnecting to your why, niching, and finding success in a feeling. So let's dive in. Hi, Nisha. Hi, Kate. Thank you so much for coming to talk to me on such a beautiful, sunny day. (laughs) I know, it's so nice outside. So we'll just whiz through this and then we can get back outside. (laughs) (laughs) Get back to sunbathing. Exactly. (laughs) So we're going to talk about lots of interesting, juicy things today that I'm really excited to dig into. But before we do that, I'd like to kind of set the scene a little bit and get a little bit of context for me and for everyone listening. So it'd be great if you could tell us the story of your business and why you started it, how you started it, and what's kind of happened since then. Yeah, sure. So my name is Nisha and I teach creatives how to build profitable online service businesses without unsustainable hustle and working crazy hours. And I do that through my podcast, which is called The Simple Business Show and my online course, Organize and Automate. But I started out with a very different business. So um, I started out in 2012 when I was 18. And at the time I had just worked a bunch of minimum wage jobs like waitressing in Pizza Hut. (laughs) And um, I was also in telesales for like a day and a half, which for anyone who doesn't know (laughs) is like that annoying person that rings you trying to sell you double glazing. (laughs) (laughs) That was me for a day and a half. And then I decided this was very much not for me. And so, yeah, so then I got a job just working in a shop selling men's clothes. And at the same, kind of around the same time, I started a lifestyle blog that I used to just really enjoy designing and redesigning again and again. (laughs) And people would start to ask me to design theirs. And so that's kind of how I got the idea for my first business, which was an online graphic design business. And I just kind of went with that really in about 2012. I had no like degree or A-levels or business experience or anything like that. I literally had just like gone from senior school into working jobs and I just had this blog and just lots of creativity that I really felt I wasn't using, Mm -hmm. obviously, (laughs) in working in a shop. So (laughs) I was really, really thrilled that people actually were considering paying me to do something that I really enjoyed. So I quit that that shop job and yeah, and I started that business with about £2,000 in my savings account at the time. And I think over time I built up 
like this following of other creative business owners, which I think naturally happens to a lot of us. We tend to sort of be selling one service, but we're also sort of collecting an audience of people mm-hmm. who sell the same thing as us. Mm-hmm. And so after about three years of running that business, I started to make digital products to help those other business owners. And I stopped offering design just because I lost my passion for it. And I just started to, de- to develop more of a passion for teaching than anything else. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I went into teaching through a membership site and then eBooks, eventually created the course that I sell now. And now I've been in business for about eight years. I work like, I would say I work like three to four days a week because I travel a lot while well, pre-quarantine. <laughs> pre-quarantine, I traveled a lot. Now I'm like in England all the time, <laughs> which is very different for me, um, but I'm enjoying it. And yeah, for me, I've just always valued freedom and peace and time. And I've never really wanted to work full time or hustle like a crazy person because that's just not what I value. And it's just not what my personality type likes to do. Mm. So those sort of values of freedom and peace and time, they just naturally wove into my business so that now it's my whole business Mm. mission to sort of help other creatives build profitable businesses in simple and sustainable ways. Awesome. I hope that was like, yeah, that's very good. <laughs> quick run through of eight years. Yeah. <laughs> eight years of my life. <laughs> this is a bit of like a, um, I don't know, maybe a blindsided question, but um, w- do you know what your, have you ever done the four tendencies? No. No. Oh. So Gretchen Rubin, who actually, if I, I guess she's a psychologist. I actually can't remember that off the top of my head, her background, but she created this framework of the four tendencies, which is that humans are generally motivated in one of four ways. One is the rebel, one is the obliger, um, one is the questioner, and the other one, I can't remember the name of, but because it's not me. But it's basically that if you're the obliger, you need a lot of accountability and to do what other people want. If you're the rebel, you literally like, you kind of just do what you feel like in that moment. Or if you're the questioner, you kind of very much do uh, are driven from your centre and yourself from inside. So the reason I asked that question was, it was just really interesting to me, probably as an obliger, how you, from a very early age, actually, at 18, were kind of like, nope, this is what I want out of life. This is what I value. This is what I'm doing. And just kind of go for it without with unabashed abandon um maybe yeah I guess I've never really thought about that before to be totally honest yeah. I I guess so I mean I didn't do I didn't go to college or sixth form sixth form I can't even say that word <laughs> um like after the age of 16 because at the time you didn't have to I think nowadays you do mm. But at the time I was just like, no, that's not really what I want. Mm. And then I got my jobs and I was like, no, I don't think this is what I want either. Mm. No, I, I think it's I think it's really interesting and also really great because like <laughs> most people spend their early 20s like in existential crisis of what, what they want to do. And you're just like, yeah, this is what I want to do. I'm, I'm, I'm there. I've got it. <laughs> and I also think that it's really good because it proves that you don't, need all the stuff which is something that I know a lot of people are like I need this qualification I need that qualification or I didn't do this in my early 20s so I can't do this thing now and I think your story is proof that that's just simply not true 
Yeah, I know what you mean. It's it's funny actually because to begin with, in my so I would say from the age of eighteen to maybe twenty two, I felt a lot of shame around the fact that I hadn't continued my education. And so whenever people would ask me about my qualifications and stuff, I always felt really almost like an imposter because mm-hmm. I had this business and it was going really well. And then people would ask, well, like, did you study graphic design like in university or like, how did you learn? And I would just tell people that I was self-taught and I could kind of see some people would just not take it seriously mm-hmm. or think that my business was just this little thing that didn't really do very well. And I just kind of felt like there was some judgment from some people and I took that to heart a bit too much from from the, the age of 18 to about 22. Mm. And then after that, I just kind of tried to take a different viewpoint of it and just tell myself that, you know, actually it, it's quite, it can be quite inspiring to other people who've also, you know, maybe not done the traditional schooling thing to know that even though they haven't done that, getting minimum wage jobs in like shops and waitressing and things like that, they're not the only mm-hmm. options and you can follow your own path and still have an amazing life and still do really creative, fulfilling work. Mm. Yeah, I always think if people want to learn from the biggest expert they can, like it would only be professors doing this kind of work, right? <laughs> like the, if every single person valued expertise and, and qualifications to that extent, there would be no room for anybody without PhDs. So it kind of yes some people are quite judgmental about things but a lot of people also aren't and we give too much power to the people who are exactly i think that's what i was doing to begin with Mm. for sure so i want to talk a little bit about your kind of switch around when you fell out of alignment and that kind of experience of living that in your business because i think that's a very interesting thing that I think sometimes we can fall out of alignment and we can know it's not right or we can subconsciously know it's not right but we the way we're experiencing it in our day-to-day we think is like maybe a different problem and we go about fixing all these symptoms and not getting to the cause so yeah I'm interested to hear your experience of that. Yeah I really felt like I think I think the feeling started about two two years ago two and a half years ago I really started to feel out of alignment with my why so I felt very out of touch with why I was doing what I was doing and I just felt like I had lost the passion that I had for it when I first started you know when you first start your business and it's just so exciting and you have like endless amounts of passion for what you're doing and Mm -hmm. you just you would happily do it even if nobody paid you to and I felt like I was losing a lot of that and I really craved that feeling again and I also felt like if someone asked me why I did what I did I suddenly didn't know if I would be able to tell them or give them a real authentic answer oh how do you mean I just felt like I was a bit lost and I felt like maybe I wasn't doing what I was meant to be doing and the thing that I had been doing for you know since I was 18 years old and had fulfilled me so much suddenly was making me question whether I whether it was time to pursue something else. Mm. 
And I also, I think I was following too many people. I didn't realize this at the time. This is something that I've, I think I've only really realized this year in 2020, but I think I was following too many people whose values didn't really align with mine. And I was consuming so much external information on social media Mm. and in people's blog posts from other business owners that it was kind of like information overload. And I guess it was drowning out my inner voice and intuition for what that was telling me what I wanted and had always been telling me what I wanted. And instead I felt like I was trying to want what other people wanted or trying to take on somebody else's definition of success. I absolutely 100% just agree with that completely because that's, that is what has happened to me as well, where you, there are people that you follow and you're sort of like, oh, I want what they've got, I want what they've got. And I, like, the thing that always comes up for me is, like, speaking opportunities, where you see people who are, like, every weeknight they're speaking somewhere else. And I'm like, oh, so not fair, I want that. Like, I thought that I want nothing more than to have all these speaking opportunities. But then when I actually think about how I have to travel from Wales and I have to find somewhere to stay and all the, the nerves and the energy and the, all that stuff, it's like, actually, I don't... I want to be asked, but I don't actually want to, I don't want to do the the actual thing. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I think for me, it was like um, the whole, so I started my business around the time where a few of my friends at the time, we all kind of started at the same moment. And then now eight years later, a lot of them are like multi-millionaires. And so for me, I was always like, oh, should I be wanting to make seven figures? Like, I don't know, like maybe I should be further along by now than I am and maybe I should also have like a team of employees and an office and stuff like that but then when I really dig deep I'm just like no I don't actually Mm. want employees and I I just yeah I don't think that that's what I actually want Mm. I just think that that's what I think I should want I uh, yeah I I was exactly I've actually published a blog post about this quite recently where I was I'd sort of, sort of like, right, I'm going to make six figures. And because when I make 100K, and I've done absolutely no math about this, that was just this arbitrary number that I was like, oh, when I make 100K, that means that I'll be able to hire someone to take all the stuff that I don't want to do and I'll be able to have a nice life. And then I was sort of, especially during lockdown, I was like, well, I'm actually having quite a life now, not nice life now, just not doing the things that I didn't want to do that I was going to outsource to someone. So why don't I was just trying to make 100K as a circuitous route to get me right back to where I currently was. Yeah. So I think I, it's yeah. it's sometimes about like you're chasing a feeling and then you realize that you could actually create that feeling for yourself right now without Mm. achieving that external goal. Not that there's anything wrong with external goals or income goals, but I think that's often something that we confuse Mm. is like wanting the feeling of achieving that goal. Yes, yeah, that's a really good point. And actually in a lot of ways for me, I think that's true across the board. It's not actually about the goal, it's about ticking it off. I'm quite similar. I'm a very goal and task oriented person. I love, even if I've written a to-do list and there's something that I've done in the day that wasn't on the list, I love to just write it down and tick Mm -hmm. it off just (laughs) with a feeling of ticking off a task. It's insane. (laughs) So when you were thinking about being a multimillionaire, was that um, in terms of the graphic design business or was that in the education business? 
I would say it's in the education business mm. because yeah, I just think that's what a lot of people that I started out with have created with their education businesses. And and also I did, I reached six figures, but I did it without like sort of setting the goal to. And then when I did it, it was almost like, I just became more aware of income goals and money. And it's it actually made me worry about it more. Like I was like, Mm. oh, now I have to really keep this up and I need to like really grow and hit an even bigger number next year. And it just started to make me feel like, I was chasing money for money's sake, mm. and that's never really been one of my core values. And so it just made me feel out of aligned with my own values, basically. Mm. Yeah, that disconnect. I can really, like, in my body right now, I can feel that disconnect of, because we do, you get into that trap, because I think it's what we see everywhere, and it's what's most loudly modelled. I don't think, I think it's probably the minority of people who actually are doing the multi-million pound multiple fig kind of stuff but they are the ones who are marketing the hardest because they're trying to reach that number so it's all we really see and yeah it, it so it is a trap the that the more you kind of earn the more you think this has to keep going up this kind of on a graph this has to keep going up and up and up and up and I can't possibly have it dip even though it's like why like no one's checking on me (laughs) or it's like oh I can't possibly just go for the same income number that I that I achieved last year like I have to always grow and it wasn't until quarantine this year that I just sort of gave myself permission to just get back to my older slower ways and just aim for what I had last year and let that be enough and not constantly feel like I have to chase more and more and more because again I think I am just chasing a feeling then I can really give myself right here and now in the moment. I don't have to reach some huge goal mm. to to give myself that. Mm. So what what is that feeling? I think that I was just chasing a feeling of maybe enoughness and soon realizing that when you when you place that in external things like income goals or the number of followers that you have or subscribers that you have, whatever it is, even when you achieve like the big numbers, it's never truly feels like enough. And I think enoughness, that feeling just comes from within you and contentment just comes from within. And we can access those feelings at any point. We don't have to tie them to external goals. I think goals are great and I do love setting them and I love making plans, but not being so attached to the goal really helps me, I think. So tell me a little bit more about not being too attached to the goal. So I think that for me, I've just placed, even in my personal life, I think I placed too much or in the past I've placed too much importance on achieving goals and reaching achievements. And I've tied, well, I used to tie success with achievements and failed to realize that achievements and success are kind of two different things. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a book by Simon Sinek called Start With Why. And Mm -hmm. I think it's in this book anyway, (laughs) that it says something like success and achievements are two different things. Achievement is when you reach a goal, but success is a feeling. And I think that too many of us kind of make those two things one. And we think that by achieving goals, we're a success. 
And if we don't achieve them, then we're not, we're, we're a failure or we're not where we should be in our life. But I think that you just get to a point in business and in life where you realize that you are exactly where you're supposed to be. And as long as you're feeling really good, then I think that's what's most important. Like not necessarily just reaching all the number goals and all the income goals, but you know, reaching your your feelings of happiness and joy and contentment. I think that's just something that I've realized over the past few years is just way more important to me. Mm. Oh, I love that. Because you're right, it's the, we do, we so conflate those two things of success and achievement, but it's the thing with the goal, like the number, like, oh, you hit the number, like, so what? Like, now what? And I think that's the thing with achievement is it does open that question of now what? Because you hit it and it's like, okay, next thing. And I know I have never <laughs> taken time to actually enjoy the thing that I've hit. It's like, okay, finished right now, what? Whereas yes, that if you think of success as a feeling, you don't get that kind of perpetual climbingness to it. You have, you know, if this is the feeling, then I can just feel it. I don't have a now what afterwards. Yeah, and you won't be so distraught and feel so much like a failure if you if you actually don't achieve your goals. I think that when we tie too much importance to them and we don't actually reach them, it can feel really, mm. really just horrible to us and make us feel horrible about ourselves as humans. But we just kind of have to take away some of the self-worth that we put into goals and numbers and achievements and just remember that it's always within us. Mm. Yeah, because how freeing to be like, oh, well, I didn't hit that numbers goal, but I like myself and I'm happy in my life like because uh, what what's the point of the goal otherwise you know and we think we have to hit these things because it's like the right thing to do or because somebody's told us whereas it's like well if you're not enjoying it then literally what's the point get a day job that you don't enjoy <laughs> <laughs> exactly if you're if you're doing it and hitting all of those goals but you don't enjoy it or you don't feel the way you want to feel when you are hitting those goals then you're just going to ultimately feel disappointed and it's not, it's just not going to be fulfilling. And I feel like so many of us can get caught up in that and then w essentially waste years of our lives and then look back and realize, oh, I felt so out of alignment and I felt so unfulfilled or so low. And yes, I hit all of these goals, but I just didn't feel how I wanted to feel. So I think when you prioritize how you feel, at least then you know, you're achieving those, you're, you're pursuing your goals from a place of heart and from a place of knowing that even if you don't achieve them, you are okay. So I'd like to talk a little bit about the nuts and bolts of actually from realising you're out of alignment, then how you got your business back into alignment and what that looked like, whether it was kind of changing everything burning it all down or introducing new things or, or so what was your kind of solution yeah so I think that I first of all I really had to get in touch with my why and my values and carefully choose who I allow into my space through social media because I think I was I was choosing to follow people who just valued very different things to me so instead I just went through an unfollowing binge <laughs> and I found other business owners like you. And I just decided to follow people who are more in alignment with what I believe. And this has helped me to just 
like not beat myself up so much about not wanting a very particular version of success and realizing that actually there are other people like me who who have very different definitions of success, simpler, more sustainable versions, and that's okay. Yeah, so getting back in touch with my why, that that was really big for me. And also realizing that my niche could be my why and my values and not just my audience and my product Mm. (laughs) because for me so I started I've always been very niched so when I had my design business my design style was very like I would say like girly and cute and hand-drawn things like that and so that was my niche was my style and that really helped me because I do believe that like early on it does help to have a niche Mm -hmm. because you kind of tend to grow a bit faster then and then when I went into teaching into like online education my niche was other designers so teaching them and I always just felt a bit I started to get out of alignment with my niche and I felt a bit too confined I think Mm -hmm. because I had grown out of it and I kept trying to force myself back into it (laughs) and (laughs) get back in the box (laughs) yeah get back in that box and um yeah I just I just had to accept that actually my niche can be my why and my values and not just my audience and my product and that when I have a really clear mission and a really clear why I can sort of do more things now and weave in those values and weave in my why and it still all makes sense collectively and it's still all very cohesive it's just not like super super niche like I had to accept that I don't have to be super niche now because I've grown enough to not need to be Mm. does that make sense yeah I want to I'm gonna put a pin in the why and circle back to that because I know it's something that people love but I just like what you're saying about niches everybody is obsessed with niches and I just feel like they do they do back you into a corner because and I think it goes hand in hand with the idea of building a sustainable business that you want to support you for years and decades if you decide your niche early on like you're defining it for 30 years which a is a big task and b it just backs you into that corner where you do you grow and evolve as a human being and especially in the early years of business where you're learning so much about yourself that you're just caging yourself into something that isn't going to allow you to evolve whereas actually flipping that round and allowing your niche to be your why rather than your what means that you can evolve because it makes sense if you're building it on your why being you know I believe that people should have feel freedom in their life then you can make candles or you can make education right it's sort of it all flows from there so I think I'm really glad I'm just really happy to hear you say that (laughs) yeah yeah I mean I am glad that I niched to begin with because I do think that that helps you to stand out really quickly when you're Mm. first beginning and like an anchor point for you as well yeah, yeah yeah exactly that's such a great term like an anchor point for you it gives you just a lot of clarity to work from in your first sort of few years of business. But that that phrase that you use, caged in, it was so, it's such a great, another great phrase because I think that while it's great and really smart to choose a niche to begin with, you don't have to allow yourself to be caged into that niche. And I think a lot of us do feel like, oh, 
I've picked this now and I can't, there's no going back. Like I, yeah. I can't change out of this niche. I have to stay in the box. This is it. My business will break if I don't, but we don't actually have to. Everybody evolves over time and it's natural to kind of evolve out of your niche. And I think that it's really healthy to do that as well as you grow, because as you grow and your business grows and things change, even if you do want to change your niche, there's still so many people who are loyal members of your community who don't actually, aren't actually bothered if you change niche, like they're still gonna be there because by this point you've built up such a rapport with them and such a connection that I think that that's a fear that is not really necessary to have, the fear of losing everyone or losing our business or failing if we decide to just step outside of our niche. Mm, love it. So what i want to i want to come back to that why thing because i know that there will be people like with their phone in their hand like but how did you reconnect with your why so i i really love it if you could talk a little bit about that process so did you feel that your why shifted a little bit or was it the same one that was there right from the very beginning but you lost sight of it and and what did you do specifically to kind of go right I have now reconnected with my why (laughs) (laughs) yeah so I didn't actually realize that the reason I felt so out of alignment was because I was not connected with my why so for a couple of years I don't think I actually realized that that it was just a feeling that I had that something wasn't quite right with my business and this year I I really think actually that this whole lockdown situation mm-hmm. has i mean there's so there's so much terrible things that have come from it but there's also been positives i believe in in people's lives and one of the positives for me is that it did reconnect me with my why because at the start of like the very start of the lockdown here in the uk um, me and my brother both got really sick and i just ha- i was like about to do a launch <laughs> of something that I was actually not that aligned with and passionate about and it would like forced me to cancel this launch and give myself space and time to not work and to just focus on myself and then after I got better I just continued that and I just kept giving myself even more time and space than I was used to so I would go for daily walks in nature and I started getting back in touch with passions that I had as a child, but had completely discarded in my adult years and just getting really back into creative play. And I stopped forcing myself to get back in alignment and to feel better about my business. And I stopped trying to force myself to figure out what it was that was so wrong and why I couldn't get in touch with my why. And instead I just let myself, I just let myself be and that was when the t- that was when things just started to come back to me and I started to gain a lot of clarity around why I do what I do, what I want to do, what I want to change. And yeah, I think that just came from giving myself space and allowing myself to be. And also from that point, just unfollowing people whose values don't align with mine, following people who have similar values, yeah, I think all of this just really helped me get reconnected and recentered with my why. And then I read that book by Simon Sinek, Start With Why, which I really recommend to anyone who is struggling to figure it out because 
I, I mean, the book doesn't like tell you how to find your why or anything like that, but it does give you a lot of clarity around why it's so important. And around that point that me and you were just talking about earlier about how you can center your business around your why and make that your thing and not so much around what you do and how you do it. Mm. It's a really great book for anyone who's struggling with that. Mm. Oh, yeah, I I really love what you said when you said I stopped forcing myself to get back into alignment. And actually I realized with hindsight that my question of, you know, what specific steps did you take to find your why actually isn't a very helpful question. And because that's what we all want to hear, right? We want the useful five steps to this is how I did it. And it's all easy and you can just replicate it. Whereas it, it can't be sort of refined down like that because it is a surrendering and a letting go because yeah you you grip hold of it so tight like I must find my alignment I'm not gonna leave this desk until I'm back in alignment and it just like that energy that kind of tension in your shoulders and like slamming your fingers on the keyboard that's not the way that it's gonna kind of flourish (laughs) and come out of you so exactly just give yourself space and time and just like also just really get in touch with what used to light you up as a child and and as a team, like go back to the things that used to really give you fulfillment. And um, there's this really great quote by Stuart Brown that said, the work that we find most fulfilling is almost always a recreation and extension of youthful play. So, and I used to, I, I love that because I do think that if we are struggling to find our why, or we just feel really out of alignment, if we go back to what we used to love and what used to light us up, that often gives us some clarity and can bring back feelings of passion that we maybe have lost. Mm. What What were your things? Uh, my things, I used to really enjoy photography, videography, just being really creative and like nature as well. I used to just love being in nature and I feel like I'd neglected a lot of these things. Mm. <laughs> and um and yeah, that's so that's what I tried to weave into my life a lot more recently. And because of that, I'm finding that the energy that I get from doing those things that used to bring me so much passion has, you know, like spilled over into my business and sort of topped me up or filled up my cup, so to speak. So mm. I'm just operating from much more of a happy, creative, more experimental place than where I was maybe even in January, to be honest. Mm, mm. Yeah, I, this, I feel like the last five months have been like a whole year of self-discovery. I maybe know. even like two. <laughs> yep. But yeah, I, and I personally, I've always found the, oh, what did you enjoy as a child and kind of pursue that quite difficult because then my mind goes back and I'm like, I liked colouring. Um, and that's like basically all I can think of. But it does make sense because when... I was like a teenager. There was a period where I wanted to be a photographer and then later there was a period where I wanted to be a writer. And then just one day I was like, oh, like a massive part of my job now is photographing and writing. So I just got myself round to those jobs that I always wanted to do just by this kind of um, kind of marketing and business was my way into that. And actually now I think about it, business studies was like my best GCSE score. So kind of makes sense yeah it's all kind of woven together yeah all of those three things have kind of like the business was the way in which I was able to do the photography and the writing so yes thank you for um 
for sharing that because I think it's important and it's I know it's also the last thing that people want to hear is like just be and it will come to you but it's not just me saying that it's now you Nisha saying that that it is you just have to trust it I think and that's the hardest thing is that we want to hold on to it so tightly and, and definitely get a result at the end but you just have to let go and trust that it will come and that's that is half the battle with most most of these things <laughs> Absolutely. I think it's it's hard to be patient, but that is really important when it comes to these things. And also just trusting that it's it's within you, the answers that you need. They're always within you somewhere. And if you give your, yourself enough time and enough space, they'll kind of come to the surface. But if you keep trying to force them, they'll stay hidden inside. So I think it is really important to just give yourself time and space and try your hardest to be patient with yourself. Mm. So I, I'm quite interested to hear because this has obviously been quite a bit of a change from and, and especially in terms of the success element in terms of you were pushing for these high income goals and now it's like, nope, feeling. <laughs> um, and so I, I'm interested in your your friends and stuff are all making these multi-million pounds. And so do, did you feel the pressure of what will people think of me if I just follow this and did you get any pushback or kind of what was that like emotionally to say no this is my version of success and I'm gonna run with it I think that that is a really good question I think that for the most part I don't care too much about what other people think but I do find myself sometimes when I go to post when I go to post something on Instagram for instance about it there is a voice in my head that's like, oh, but people aren't going to agree. And this isn't what most people want to hear. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I do I do feel some pushback when it comes to sharing my, my sort of values and, and things like that on social media. But that's pretty much it. I don't overly care what other people think, like friends and family and other business owners that I'm friends with, but I do start to hear those those negative voices mm. whenever I go to share it publicly with like hundreds or thousands of people online. That's when it starts to hit me, I think. Mm. Yeah, I think that's interesting because it it's the faceless people then, right? Because yeah. the, the people who you know, you're kind of like, well, I can imagine what their face will be like, or I can imagine what they'll think. But when it's, oh, and, and because it's it is quite new for you, and there was a shift from this is what people wanted from me before well this is what I'm doing now I guess there is that kind of yeah that that kind of um conflict between the two and so what is it that gets you to press publish why do you not go oh no it's too scary I'm not going to do it I think just because if I look at what I value and I just measure things by that and so like things that I'm about to post and share with the world I think from recent times I've been looking more at it from a place of is this in alignment with what I believe if it is then yes I'll go ahead and share it I think that I have just there have definitely been times when I haven't done that when I haven't listened to my values and I've shared kind of content that's really similar to just what everybody else is saying Mm -hmm. and I just reached a point where that didn't really feel like enough for me and so I decided to just trust my gut and just share what I feel like sharing and what I truly believe and I do love the fact that now I now that I feel more aligned with my message and my content I feel like a lot more 
people are connecting and like I'm building real relationships mm. with people online as opposed to before I kind of felt very disconnected from people yeah yeah and that's the paradox isn't it is that we think oh I have to do this because that's what people like but that just means you're the same as everyone else yeah and there's no and reason for people to like you <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And I don't know, I don't know whether you have ever like experienced this as well. But I've also definitely had a hard time over the entire journey of my business. I've, I've kind of had a hard time of going for things or try going to launch things because I know that that's what will make the most money. Mm-hmm. And that's what like people want the most, as opposed to what I really want to create. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah, it's like this is this is the surefire thing. This is the quick win. It's it's not necessarily what I, I would actually advise someone. <laughs> you know, if we someone was sat across from me, I wouldn't I'd be like, Well, you could do this or have you thought about doing that? But you'd think, Oh, that's the thing that it's very clickable, it's very shareable, that's the thing, it kind of hits some pain points and you're like, Yeah, that's that's gonna do well. Um, but it doesn't quite sit comfortably yeah exactly I was I was so close to launching a course that didn't really sit comfortably with me but it's something that I know that my audience has wanted from me for years it's Mm. always like the number one question um and I just I began to create the content I wrote the whole sales page I published like two months worth of social media content about it and then and I told like my whole email list that this was coming out. I did the whole oh, thing. God, I did, right? I, well, you said it before. I thought you were about to start all this stuff, but you actually have, were talking about it. Yeah, like I was talking about it. I'd given the the course a name and everything. Like people were expecting this. And then right as I got to the point where I was meant to launch it, I was just like, you know what? This has not felt in alignment with me at all. And even though it's a really great idea, I was just like, I'm going to shelve it and just come back to it when I feel like that is right for me. And when I feel like that's what I want to do. But at the moment, I had to just in that moment, I had to just really be honest with myself and admit that I was just creating what I thought that people wanted. And I was creating, honestly, what I knew was going to be the most profitable and not necessarily what I was dying to create Mm -hmm. in that moment. And I think actually that I thought it kind of made me feel like, oh, maybe I should be changing my entire business model because this just feels so off. But I think, again, it just came back around to me not understanding my why. And because of that, I just didn't know other than money and people wanting this particular course. I didn't really know why I was doing it. Mm. Now it's more like I know my why. I'm back in touch with my values. Everything feels really good. And if I were to launch that again, I know that I know the changes that I would make and I know now what it should be when in alignment with me. Mm, Yeah, I love that. And I think it's so easy to get into that place of like, well, this is what my customer wants, so I have to give it to them. But sometimes, and I think especially in the education space, but it applies to other spaces as well, is that you have to take responsibility as the business owner to say, I know you think you want this, but actually it's not really what you need or it's not it isn't this isn't the best way thing for me to teach you and 
An example for me is that people always ask me, can I have a, can we have a checklist of all the things to do when you're starting a business? And I'm like, well, that's like the opposite of what I would recommend because you've got to find what works for you specifically and that works with your values, with your personal skill set, and make your own checklist rather than just take somebody else's version that's going to have 80% of the stuff of it on it, which is irrelevant. And I have been sort of thinking, oh, maybe I should make a checklist because people are asking me for it. It's like, no, it's my responsibility to say a checklist isn't going to help you. (laughs) You know, what's going to help you is maybe this thing over here that I've not made, but maybe one day will, you know? So um, yeah, I think that's a really good point. So I want to ask you, before we finish up, I want to ask you something because... I'm nosy and I like to I like to kind of get a view on on what's happening in the marketing world. So I'm really interested to know where you are marketing at the moment, what is really working for you, what you're really excited about and kind of yeah, what's working for you in your marketing. Um I would say that email marketing has always really worked for me and I really enjoy it. And I'm also starting to get really excited about Instagram and bringing my podcast back because I took a break from the podcast and I've had so many people saying how much they love it. And it just really made me realize that, you know, I'm connecting with real people. Like people are going on a walk and putting in their earphones and just like, it's kind of like we're having a conversation even though we're not. Mm. And I really like that feeling, I guess, that it gives me. So yeah, so I'm excited about bringing the podcast back. I'm excited about diving into Instagram more because to be totally honest, it's never really been my place. I've never, aside from like the last, I would say six months, I've never really been super into Instagram, but lately I just feel like it's a great place to build relationships and connections and just like have real conversations, show people behind the scenes. I just feel like it can be a real place of connection. And so I'm quite excited about everything that's coming from Instagram at the moment, Mm. I would say. Also making my marketing feel more personal, uh, which I've been working on a bit this month, and it's going to be more of a project for me next month. I feel like we're entering this, or we have already entered this age where marketing, the way that we have seen done over the past few years is getting a bit tiring and people are getting like really used to it and it's feeling a bit cold and I just like the more personal approach and so I feel like that's what I'm trying to shift towards more so now and I'm really excited about that mm. and you do that really well so that's been like a good <laughs> example for me. Uh, yeah I think that it was especially when I started out it was very like how to loads and loads of value give it all away kind of style but I sort of I feel like we're at this point now where like every how-to has been written, right? More or less. Like there are no more five steps to grow your audience on Pinterest, right? And they're all the same ones. And actually, people are bored of it now and just oversaturated with it. And what is attracting me as a consumer, as a reader, as a listener, is stories and people's experience. And this is how I did X, or this was my experience of Y, or, or whatever it is. That personal stuff that is drawing you in and and that that, which is really great because it's unique by default right (laughs) you don't have to try and make it unique because it's your story yeah like no one no two people can have the same story so I think that it is a really great transition for a lot of people to make in their business if it's not feeling very 
if their marketing isn't feeling very personal at the moment, which to be totally honest, like mine wasn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm definitely excited about sort of ditching the less personal marketing and diving more into storytelling and just sharing myself more with my audience. And I think I, I guess I, I guess I think I got that from listening to podcasts like yours. And um, I really got into Ruth Poundwhite's podcast as well. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if you yeah. have heard of that one. Yeah, it's so awesome. Yeah. And I just was like, you know what, if this is what I prefer listening to, then why am I not creating content <laughs> that's more along the lines of what mm-hmm. I actually enjoy consuming? Mm, yeah makes sense <laughs> um, so I did I wanted to ask you so if you've really only the last six months Instagram has been kind of a focus for you and it's very unusual for me to ever speak to someone who doesn't have like an Instagram first approach so did you build your list from the podcast no so I built my list from my blog right. um because I, I initially started eight years ago with the blog first mm-hmm and so I built my list through Pinterest and my blog. And then I introduced things like Facebook and Instagram and my podcast and YouTube. And then I realized that I was just doing a few too many things. Yeah. And I was kind of spreading myself across a lot of different things. And I needed to sort of peel back and focus on where I get the most joy from. Mm-hmm. So I think that over recent times, I've decided that Instagram and my podcast is what I want to focus on for the rest of 2020, I think. Mm. And I really love that it is two things because our natural inclination, I think, is to always add more and more and more and more. And I very consciously have to rein myself back. <laughs> like, no. Uh, and, you know, you're sort of like, oh, one, I've, so generally I do one blog post a week and one podcast a week. I'm like, actually, eight pieces of content a week is actually quite a lot. I can afford to maybe blog every other week or something like that if it's a I mean it's the thing I like to do the most so I generally just do it anyway but if it's a busy month or whatever I'm just like I'm gonna beat myself up about it if I don't get a blog post out every week because I'm already doing quite a lot yeah that is quite a lot I would love to ask you actually like how did you so I read your blog post on oh I've forgotten what it's called but it was very recent the one about numbers and the reach um, one Yes. yes. And I was like, oh my goodness, that's so courageous to just, well, I think it's courageous to just like put it out there and just be very transparent. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's what I'm gravitating towards a lot more nowadays. But I would love to ask you, and I'm sure that people who read your content and <laughs> listen to your podcast are wondering the same thing, but like, how have you become so comfortable with being so transparent? Um, I think it's it's very recent. And I mean, that blog post in particular, I wouldn't have published two months ago, probably. And I th- again, I think it's a lockdown thing and where I've also been honing my values and one of them is truthfulness. And I know that when people say, oh, I value honesty and it kind of means nothing. But for me, it's like just... I don't want, I'm very conscious of people being like, oh, it's all right for Kate because she's got this or it's all right for Kate because she's got that. And I want to be like, this is, I'm not holding anything back anymore. And I just got to a place like almost like a a switch flipped where I was like, I don't give a shit. (laughs) (laughs) I just like, I just want to create the most connecting, powerful stuff that I can. And the way to do that is by telling the whole truth. But I think that's a place to get to rather than a place that you can just 
that you can push yourself into. I think it's something that you have to, yeah, relax into a little bit. And it, it has, and also I was thinking a lot about the difference between the blog and the podcast because towards the end of last year, they started to kind of merge a little bit in content. So the podcast I'm keeping much more the sort of how-to, very actionable, very practical stuff, which means that the blog now is much more a place where I'm unraveling my own thoughts and sharing my own personal experience in a more intimate way that basically it's less awkward for me to write it than say it out loud. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good idea. I I like that. (laughs) And so, yeah, that's kind of... so. The blog has got its job now of doing that stuff. And then also I've just really honed in on, I don't want to hold things back or hide things behind a curtain. I'm just going to put it all out there because that's what I value. So yeah. Yeah, I love that. I feel like it gives other people permission, not that they need permission, but I feel like sometimes we think we do (laughs) Um, to just do the same thing and to just be very transparent and open and honest. Because I think when we see other people doing it and we see people doing what we inside are craving to do mm. it's like we finally think oh you know what if they can do it I can do it too and it, it and it's okay mm. so I think that you I think that your blog posts are probably going to have that effect on a lot of people I hope so and I think as well think so. <laughs> just thinking about it now actually it's also it's not honesty or vulnerability or truthfulness or whatever for the sake of it or to get attention it's with that post in particular I know that that people think that I know that people are like well I don't have enough people so I can't follow my dream I don't have enough people so I can't achieve x I can't don't have enough people so I had a very clear intention of kind of halting that train of thought in people's heads by telling my story about it and so it was yeah, it was told in service of others rather than to get clickbait. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love that. So, yeah, I think I've only got one more question to ask you, which is how do you grow a soul in your work and life? I think I grow with soul by listening to my values and letting them guide the choices that I make in my work and my life and trying not to let other people's values guide them instead beautiful so Nisha where can people come and find you and connect with you and learn more about your work yeah so you can come and hang out with me on my podcast if you'd like to it's called the simple business show and I just talk about building a simple yet profitable online business that supports your ideal lifestyle and I'm also on Instagram a bit more now (laughs) that you now that I've decided to make that shift so you can follow me at Nisha Woolery there on Instagram perfect thanks so much Nisha awesome thank you for having me any links we mentioned in this episode will be on my website which is simpleandseason.com forward slash podcast and you can find me and Nisha on Instagram I'm at simpleandseason and she is at Nisha Woolery As always, if you think you have a friend who would really benefit from listening to this conversation, please send them a link to the episode and do share where you're listening and tag me too. Until next time, I hope you grow a soul.